go. Check one, two. This is the Cole Memo. I am your host, Cole Preston. Every episode is released in audio, video, and transcript format. To find the transcript, audio, or video version of any episode, please refer to the description of the episode that you're listening to now. Within that description, you can find a link that will take you to our website, which will display the transcript for this episode and the platforms where you can find this episode in audio or video formats. If you're having trouble locating the episode description on whichever platform you're listening from, simply note the episode number and visit thecolememo.com. You can find the corresponding episode from there, and then you'll be able to access the audio, video, and transcript formats. You might also find any links that we referenced during the episode so that you might be able to do your own research. If you're not listening to this episode of The Cole Memo on Patreon, then you're listening to this episode later than our patrons. To become a patron, go to thecolememo.com slash Patreon. Once again, that's thecolememo.com slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. It's a great way to support our show, but one of the best ways to support our show is absolutely free. Subscribe to or follow our show. Leave us a positive review from wherever you're listening to us from. Favorite this episode. Give it a thumbs up, leave a comment, or post a review. Your engagement and support is appreciated. Enjoy this episode of The Cole Memo. Once again, I'm your host, Cole Preston. Today is October 30th, 2023. It's just about 7.45 p.m. I'm cracking open an ice-cold beer with my friend, Philip. Phil, you want to say hi? Hi. Let's get hi, Philip. We're joined today with Caleb Teske. Caleb, this is your first time on The Cole Memo. You want to go ahead and not only introduce yourself, but tell people where they can find you online. If they like what you got to say today. Oh, and you're muted somehow. Oh, you're still muted. That's right. I, 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 I muted you. myself. Yeah. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Um, I just want to say thank you for having me on here, Cole. Um, I am a freelance independent journalist uh, from Vermont. I've been covering the cannabis industry here for the better part of two years. Coming up on two years in December. Um you can find my work, um, the fine print. Look for the purple and black and white asterisk. There's a couple other fine prints on YouTube, um, but I, I've got a YouTube channel. I've got um, about 200 interviews that I've done with people from various sectors of the cannabis industry over the last um, almost two years and maybe 300, 350 hours of content that people could check out. Um, you know, we've had uh, hey. Look at that. There you go. That's uh, Amy Leaf. That's one of my best friends from from growing up, Tom Durfee. He moved up to Canada, started a dispensary. Dan Pomerantz from Rebel Grown. The guys from Smoke Ranch Redemption, uh, Matt LaPlante. Uh, really good guys. I Defiance Electric. That's an electric company where we were talking about uh, some of the work it takes to, to power these uh, facilities. So I've got a – I feel like I have a pretty good mix of stuff up online for people to check out lawyers and legislators and i've interviewed everyone here on the cannabis control board in vermont so a little something for everyone i'd like to think yeah very cool like you said it's the purple black it's got the star you can see the fine print folks i'm sharing it right now once again if you look in the episode description if you're listening and want to watch the video version so you can see these visuals i think we're going to be sharing some stuff today so it might be a visual episode be sure to watch the video version Caleb, I'm seeing here. <laughs> does it say "soft little hoe ass bitch"? 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the fine print in the background. And, um, you know, I used to do stand up comedy for five years. So I decided to uh, just write some some ridiculous shit in the background. It does say say soft little ass bitch. That's exactly what it says. Yes. I was going to say, I thought I saw that. Well, anyways, (laughs) that's the fine print. I like I'm glad it. you I'm glad you noticed. You're the first one that's noticed that. Thank you. Yeah, well, I was reading the words. I was like, this has <laughs> got to be something that he designed himself. And then I yeah, saw soft little ho ass bitch. And I was like, whoa. So yep. well yep. I'm sparking up weed now. I cracked up a beer, sparked up weed. Um, where do you want to start today, Caleb? You know, like I told you, the great thing about the coal memo, I don't, well, I didn't tell you this. Uh, I told you the floor is going to be yours, but the great thing about the coal memo, I think is that it, my goal with this show is that it's going to be better than a television time slot. And of course we don't have any advertisements, but this episode is brought to you by Coors. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> we don't have any advertisements that are going to, you know, interrupt us at all. So that's, what's I think great about podcasting and, and this show particular, so the floor is yours, dude. Where do you want to start? I'll try to chime in from time to time, but for the most part, I want to let you lay this out and then I'll, you know, kind of jump in with questions. Cool. Um, where I'd like to start, it's, it, you know, really, um, I put this story out in April. I think it was the 25th or something like that. And this story is about Ben Cohen's new um, cannabis company. And for anyone who doesn't know, Ben Cohen is the Ben from Ben and Jerry's. I I feel like most people know about Ben and Jerry's and this is Ben that we're talking about here. And, uh, you know, when I, when I saw that he was entering the cannabis industry, it really piqued my interest. So I started doing some digging about it. You know, I met, um, and maybe some historical context would be good here too. Uh, you, you know, uh, Ben and Jerry's was sold off to Unilever back in 2000, 2001, somewhere around there. And Unilever is a massive multinational corporation who has also uh, bought up some other companies here in Vermont's seventh generation, some of our other uh, really uh, prominent brands. Um, you know, and um, so also if, if you include Cabot, right? Cabot Cheese, which is another one of our big brands, yeah, <laughs> I was just showing Ben and Jerry. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, I want to be clear about this. Jerry is not involved in this new company. Do you know all. which one is which? Ben is the guy with the light blue shirt. Okay, so this guy in the back that's got his Jerry, head over. Yeah, Jerry has the hat on. Okay. Yep, and um, I want to be clear. Jerry is not involved in this new operation at all, from what I can tell. So I, I, I don't want to include him, but um, this is, it's called Ben's Best Blends. That's the name of the company. And, you know, between, so between the sell-off, uh, if, part of the point that I was trying to make about these guys entering the cannabis industry is maybe some of the damage that has been done to our agricultural industry here in Vermont. Um, after Cabot was sold, and that was maybe mid-90s, and then Ben and Jerry's was sold in 2000 or 2001. And those are two of our uh, most prominent brands here in Vermont that bankrupted like 40% of Vermont farmers over the course of two decades, which, 
you know, um, I've had a couple of these people on my show who have talked about how that deal really affected their family farms. And, and you know, as any time when you sell off to a giant multinational corporation, there's like, it, it consolidated our ag industry in a way that um, really negatively impacted a lot of Vermont uh, farms here. And, and so that's really why I started looking at this. Um, and, and one of the one of the things I'd like to point out, which I said uh, before we started recording, is that I'm not trying to prove a crime here. Yeah. That's Sorry Cabot. to keep doing visuals, but I was like, that's what the okay. Fuck is Cabot? Dude, please. <laughs> no, please. This, this is um, Vermont is very well known for our cheddar cheese and Cabot is the biggest brand here. And, you know, it's like it doesn't say Vermont on there anymore. There was a lawsuit way back when because they started sourcing a lot of their dairy from other states and had to take Vermont off of the logo. And you see, yeah, they got the flannel there. And that's and now this says New York, New England. That's right. That's huh. yep. Correct. That's because they blew up really fast. And uh, well, I don't know if it was fast, but they blew up so much that um, they had to start getting milk from other states. Mm -hmm. They couldn't uh, they couldn't meet the demand here in Vermont. <laughs> and, and and those guys, you know, hey, uh, I, I want to say this, too. I feel like these guys started with good intentions. You know, it was a cool company and they were. Like hippie, Who, yeah. Cabot or Ben and Jerry's? Uh, both of them. Both of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and then they were sold off to companies that maybe don't have our state's best interests in mind. And a lot of those profits are leaving the state, which is another feature that we're going to see here in Ben's company. Um, so, you know, um, again, I'm not trying to prove a crime here. I uh, one of the main thrusts of my work is trying to show that. People that are wealthy and that are politically well-connected are getting the leg up in this industry. And what we were told was that we were going to help people that were negatively impacted by the war on drugs. And, uh, you know, from what I'm looking at, that's not what I'm seeing. Um, and so, you know, uh, that deal with Unilever was, you know, Unilever doesn't, care about Vermont they're they're not good companies and uh, along with this sort of consolidation of our ag industry has come because you know consolidation of dairy farms and now they're all 94 percent of the corn being grown in Vermont is GMO corn along with the associated pesticides that come with that that roundup ready seed and, and things of that nature which is really having a negative impact on our um our water quality our soil quality things of that nature so um, that that's also troubling, and, and I'm going to tie Ben in with some of these guys at at Hawthorne, um, who are partnered with Monsanto, who've ushered in this new era uh, of consolidation and you know sort of chemical based uh, farming here in Vermont, which is kind of a new feature over the last thirty years. Um, so you, you know, I I first met Ben at um, Nican 2022. Last July, um, he had a table going. I, I went up. I tried to get an interview. I gave him my card. Um, they were handing out empty packaging, which I thought was kind of um, bogus when they talk about environmental concerns. And then you're shipping over packaging from China 
to hand out empty to people just to uh, sort of get your name out there. I didn't love that. You know, Ben Cohen's in, in Vermont. These guys are royalty. Ben and Jerry here, are that's royalty. They could start a weed company tomorrow and open up and people would just go buy it just on the name itself. So I, I thought that was kind of weak. I saw some of their packaging in the garbage before I left Nikan. Um, so, you know, and the environmental stuff is really one of my, uh, the things that bugs me about their company a lot. Like, I don't know. Uh, do you want to pull up the website? What website? I can oh, pull up. Uh, it's bensbest.com. Ben's best. I was going to say, I got it here. Yeah. If you yeah. want it, Yeah. I mean, I, I'm happy to share it, but if you know where you're going. There uh, we go. Uh, cool. Okay, cool. Does that work? Yep, I can see it. Yeah, bensbest.com. It looks like it's kind of cut off there. And I also have a, a picture up in the background. But <laughs> um, yeah, this is their web. Hmm. I was just going to say, we just see the website. We don't see the picture in the background, I don't think. So, oh, okay, so you're good. cool. All right. If I scroll around, does it show you? Like here, I, I'd oh, like yeah, to yeah. Show... Yep, yep. Cool. Um, there was something. The website about... is trippy. Yeah, and it's, you know, borders on, in my opinion, uh, marketing to children, but that's uh, my opinion, and I want to be clear about that. Uh, where is this guy? Who we are? Um, what, what makes it, you say that? Because it's colorful? Yeah, blends, B-L-N-Z. Uh, I mean, it just, um, it's it's a similar to uh, Ben & Jerry's. Uh, which I thought was always marketed to kids. And that's, again, that's my opinion. Where is this social? They gave out one loan, which is something I really wanted to talk about. And I'm enough. I'm wow, man. It's it's somewhere on here. Did you say social mission? Because I see a there's a button there that says social yeah, mission. So, uh, yeah. And is that, okay. Um, boo, 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 boo. There was one loan they gave out, and I remember the dude's name. And, oh boy, that's not. Here we go. Grant and loan recipient. So, this guy, um, Karen Ali, Ali. I'm I'm not sure exactly how you say that. So they created this program, right? Um, to to invest in social equity sort of applicants and, and things like that. Uh, and this is before they've even made a dollar. You know, they said, hey, we're just getting started, so we don't have any profits to put into our grant program yet. However, we have made one low interest loan and we have made a commitment to invest at least one hundred thousand dollars in black cannabis entrepreneurs by the end of our first year in business. So this guy's in, uh, a man named Karen Ali. And uh, so if you pull up his LinkedIn page, which I did before I did this story, um, this, this is not um, the thrust of social equity, right, was to help people that were negatively impacted by the war on drugs, people that really uh, marginalized communities, things of that nature. Um, but what I'm seeing is people who have wealthy friends um, giving them loans. So this guy worked in the natural gas industry for 15, 20 years, somewhere in there. Um, Natural Mystic is a Texas-based minority-owned company producing, you know, they make uh, rolling papers. So they already have a rolling paper company in Texas, right? 
Mm-hmm. And this guy's got a touching backstory. And really, now they're going to give him this loan to start a rolling paper company in Indonesia. Um, and, and they already have it. They're already natural mystics products are handcrafted in Indonesia. This company funds meals and financial support to the crafting team made up of primarily women. And, uh, you know, I, I don't like to make accusations, man. But, you know, when people start businesses in Asia, they're usually trying to save money by finding cheap labor. This guy worked in the in the natural gas industry for 15 years. And here's um, hold up. Uh, let's see. Stop share. Bang. I want to put up this other. Here we go. This is the. Um, so he worked for a company called Freeport Liquid Natural Gas. This is the, the Gulf South pipeline, which they control. If you look through some of these areas of Louisiana, this is what they call Cancer Alley. And they call it Cancer Alley because your risk of cancer goes up 95% because the air is so polluted from extracting all these gases. And, and you know, that's a very extensive pipeline there. And, you know, so when I hear these guys talking about um, environmental concerns and, um, and especially, you know, um, Ben Cohen has a, an award that he created for journalists who investigate the Pentagon and their ties to the fossil fuel industry because it's powering this fossil fuel industry. And, you know, meanwhile, he's giving out loans to a gentleman like Karen Ali, um, who worked in that industry for such a long time to, so they can operate in Asia and, and bring packaging over here, which, and I don't know, most of those boats are still powered by fossil fuels when they come over here from China. Yeah. And, Where, and so what did I he could, do at the gas company? Sorry for the um, question. He, uh, let's see. Let's see. I mean, I have to pull up his LinkedIn. Sure. Is that I thing? just, I was only saying that like, cause like, you know, I could work at like a gas company, you know what I mean? But if he was like an executive or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, it looked like he he wasn't uh, he wasn't pumping gas. Sure, um, he, fair. It looked like he and um, I'd have to pull that up again, but I'd be happy to do that for you after. Um, yeah, it, it looked like he, he was uh, managed like man in, the, at least. in the corporate offices or something. Yeah. It, um, yeah. He wasn't digging wells and. Shit like that okay but that that bothers me you know um especially when you talk about you know one of the big pr pushes f- for ben and jerry's has sort of been this environmental um stuff and world peace and all of that but you know their packaging wasn't even recyclable in vermont until like the last couple of years here because they put a weird coating around the outside of it and uh it was recyclable in every other country, but just not the state where it came from. Which was uh, so do you guys have like higher standards in Vermont or something for recycling? Yeah, well, if you have a waxy paper, um, if it was just paper, um, it would have worked, but um, which they use in other countries from what I understand. But in Vermont, um, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm still I got to read about that one a little more. Cole. 
No problem. I just, it just, you, it was interesting that you said like it not in Vermont, but in other places. I was like, yeah, oh. in Europe, in Europe, it was recyclable the whole time. Uh, from what I understand, if I'm wrong about that, I'll apologize later, but that's what, that's what I read. Yeah. I just pulled up Karen Ali's LinkedIn page. Um, I think I might see what you're talking about. What did you say the company was again? Freeport? Yeah. Freeport LNG. That's the one dot. Yeah. And also the GDF, um, Suez Energy. I believe that's in so Central America. Responsible for implementing, managing, and executing key commercial responsibilities for the FLNG liquefaction project. This role oversees the management of three key functions within the FLNG commercial team, feed, gas, power consumption, and LNG lifting programs for the entire facility. As the commercial yeah. director, sorry, I'm just... That's okay, dude. Yeah, have a peek, dude. I I should have pulled that up. There was just so many um, websites and um, LinkedIn pages associated with the story. I it was hard to no, it's, get them all online. Yeah, yeah. And I clicked on this other guy, Karen Ali, and I was like, that doesn't look like him. <laughs> um, so sorry, other Karen. Um, but uh, <laughs> okay, interesting stuff. Two different gas companies. Yeah, he worked for a couple. Of, yeah, and and that one beneath that, um, commercial analyst for Atlantic. That's another LNG company. Below commercial that. director, commercial manager, commercial analyst. Yeah, he wasn't pumping gas. I'll tell I'll tell you that. It's five years, six years, two years. You know, and, and Cole, all of this talk about social equity, really, you, you know has left me with a, a kind of a pissy taste in my mouth, you know, because the social equity was <laughs> was written for people. Yeah, I mean, dude, my dad was arrested by the FBI on the Channel 3 News when I was seven years old, and I watched that shit with my sister sitting right yeah. next to me with my mom. You know, that social equity bill was written for people like me who were actually negatively impacted by the war on drugs, and Black people and Hispanic people who were... Uh, obviously disproportionately targeted by police for this shit um you know so when i see i see uh and, and you know what we've been calling it is, is tokenization where you find like a a guy like killer mike right who's on the board of ben's uh board of trustees there yeah and mike doesn't mike doesn't need a social equity license so but uh go ahead yeah if I could just really quick, cause I like, like, I actually agree with what you're saying here. Um, but this is like, so interestingly in Illinois, there are these cases where people are like, what the fuck? This guy's not social equity. For example, there'll be like ties to like GTI or Phil. You can think of a few restauranteur Phil Stefan. Well, the, the first social equity dispensary that opened here is partially owned by a former Chicago cop. <laughs> so, you know, there's things like that. And, but he hear me out, Caleb. People will validly say, I don't, that doesn't seem like social equity, a cop, right? But by the letter of the law, they did qualify as a social equity candidate. So it's like, how? How? Dude? Well, how? in Illinois, I can tell you because Please, there's, yeah. but that's the thing. That's the point I'm trying to make really quick is that Illinois has a different, different definition of social equity compared to New York, compared to me and you. I mean, we have our definition where we agree that, yeah, the actual people that were impacted. But so to answer your question in Illinois, it has to do with certain zip codes that were selected. If you had, I know, right? 
So if you lived in an area for the last five years, you didn't even have to really be from there necessarily. I, I think that was right, Phil, right? The last five years or something like that. Anyways, the point is, is that you it's know, so it doesn't meet criteria. It's not so zip code is one of the criteria for social equity in Illinois. Yeah. So Actually, you, one of the criteria now is if you've been shot. <laughs> right. <laughs> so they've changed the criteria. If you've been shot, you you qualify as social equity. <laughs> Right. So, but yeah, zip code, if you've been shot. So the zip code thing, if I could really quickly explain that, they did research to determine which zip codes are DIA, disproportionately impacted areas. So that's where the zip code thing, that's the rationale behind it. You know, obviously there's holes in that logic. Here's a big one, Caleb, that they well, literally- Well, the, the reason that it's possible to do that is because like in a place like, like a lot of the folks down in Chicago- Chicago area, it's very segregated. So you can you could say, hey, this zip code has a really high rate of cannabis arrest. We're going to designate that. But really, you're like the state was pretty much trying to target black and brown communities without like explicitly doing like a race map. Here's the so biggest poll like, though, and I think you're going to laugh at this one, Caleb. There was one called, and they didn't call it this literally. It became infamously known as the slave master clause. It's where you like. Uh, it's like where you hire, you put like five or what's the number? How many black people? I think they people had to that have would... 10 people hired and on payroll. So you just have the them on process. payroll and then you're a social equity licensee. So do you get my point? It's not that your definition of social equity is wrong. It's not that my definition of social equity is wrong. It's that states have defined what social equity is in the application process. And I think we can all agree that that's wrong because <laughs> yeah, it's and, like, you know, you can't really yeah, legislate I... that shit. Can I pull up the, oh, where's the Ben's oh, website? Do you Can get you why I brought that up though really quick while you pull that up? Like, cause I sit here and Phil and I, we like look and we're like, is this social equity? And it's funny cause we asked that and it's a valid question, but it, the state of Illinois' answer is yeah, because that's how we wrote the law. Even if you oh. don't think that those people, that's you get what I'm thing. saying, Phil? It's, it's well, mm -hmm. It's legal. Well, and even, yeah, go and, ahead. Sorry, sorry. And even the the whole conversation of social equity being about business, you know? Yeah. Um, like the whole conversation gets directed and focused around business. Illinois centers the whole conversation around who is in business and not in business. While we still like give out felonies for cannabis possession. Continue so like, the drug war. Like, like real social equity is stopping like, just get rid of the the cannabis laws, <laughs> right? Deschedule it. Let everybody grow. Yeah, that's what social equity is. I, I that's where it gets frustrating when it's like when you look at. I get what you mean though, because if I could wrap it up and I'll bring it back over to you, or uh, Caleb, uh, my apologies, but for making the, the. I just felt like it was important to make what I think of when I think of social equity is like my first few pot dealers. Like they should be allowed to do what they did for me all those fucking years, and guess what? They still can't in this legal world it's still a criminal offense that's not social equity it's well and in the legal world that we're setting up they also don't have a job anymore either so sure. their work has also been taken away <laughs> yeah anyways no that bothers me man you know the people who helped build this entire industry that who took all the risks who developed all the genetics who did all the home grows and, and dealt with, did the jail time and had their houses raided. Those people are not getting the help that they need. And, and instead, you know, we've got, you know, 
people like Ben Cohen getting in, who doesn't even have a weed company. This isn't even a weed company. This is a licensing company. They license their packaging and their branding to a someone who's actually doing the work, and they make money off it. And in my opinion, that's modern-day sharecropping or, or something. you got a guy who's not doing anything, making money off of people who have maybe taken these risks in their lives. And I fucking oh, I don't like that. <laughs> and here, look. Uh, look, check this out. Illinois, Illinois would probably make you want to, like, hang yourself. <laughs> yeah, and, and I do want to be clear. I do want to be clear. I do think Vermont has some of the most favorable conditions in the country from all the states that I've looked at anyway. Um, I've talked to people in uh, 25 or 26 different states, and, and it does seem like we have some of the best rules. And when I look what, at them, it's what are the what are the like criminal penalties that remain in Vermont? Like, is there like enforcement? Do they arrest people? Well, we just trained a whole new round of drug recognition experts. Uh, even though the commissioner of the Department of Health here, Mark Levine, said on camera, and I, this is a direct quote, he said, unfortunately, there's um, no scientific consensus for what constitutes impairment from cannabis, but they're still trying to train cops to Cole. detect. Cole, do you have that? I'll pull it up in a second. I've got a very short yeah, video. You're gonna no, I, I could, I could get you that's the video Cole, too. No, you're gonna love this fucking video, dude. Because Illinois actually made the per se standard that you're talking about, and uh, or at least really pioneered it. So, but you've been you trying have, to pull. Do you something. have like a? Do you have like a nanogram limit there? No, in but if the cops if the cops think you're high, they could drag you into the hospital and take your blood. Oh, but is there like a threshold, or do they no. just like they'll they'll take no. that number and or is it no, zero if, tolerance or? If your eyes are red, they could tell you you're driving under the influence. You know, uh, you know how cops are. If well, they, right. They, yeah, they yeah. could just tell you they smell alcohol and get you out of the car. And then they could tell you your eyes are red. And and quite frankly, uh, we were also supposed to really significantly reduce the um, civil asset forfeiture piece of this, where, you know, a business could lose everything. They could, uh, you know, if you're in... I don't know if you guys are familiar with the civil asset forfeiture stuff, but basically, you know, if cops think like your car has been used in the commission of a, you know, yeah. federally scheduled narcotic drug deal or something like that, they could take everything you own. And they were supposed to eliminate that. And what happened was it got turned into a study. I'm like, yo, if you're going to legalize weed, this should not be a study. We should get rid of those rules altogether right now. Because this is now legal and you shouldn't be stealing people's shit like you yeah. have been for decades, you know? That shit continues in Illinois too. And it, they use uh, odor as the reason. Odor is actually. That's, a... not, that's not allowed anymore in Vermont. Oh, nice. Good deal, dude. Good deal. Mm -hmm. I just yeah. wanted to show a quick, funny, it's like 15 seconds, 20 seconds, I think at most, just a funny clip from a representative in our state who just, it's funny how he says we literally made this up. You're going to love this, Caleb. Um, there's still an element and it continues to be a major problem of uh, in, intoxication, driving while intoxicated with cannabis, because we don't have a 0.08, nor do we have technology to even enforce that if we did have any kind of standardization. So there's no, there's no per se limit. Illinois actually has a per se limit, but we literally made it up. We made up the per se limit. It's not based on 50, <laughs> 60 years of driving while intoxicated with alcohol that we. Right. So that's it. I hate, I hate that. There is no 
you know, there's the science behind driving drunk is very clear. The science behind driving on cannabis doesn't exist. So they did just make it up. Oh God, that makes my blood boil a little. Cool. I, I always, I keep wondering every time I see that, if someone could just show that to a judge and be like, <laughs> what yeah. am I doing here? He said he literally <laughs> made it up. And you're that was a good precedent. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Maybe, maybe you should send me that. So it, in case yeah. I ever get pulled over again, <laughs> tell people they're just making it up because that—that's exactly what they're doing. I, I mean, this isn't based on any type of scientific scrutiny or standard, uh, and yeah, and, and it's a, a unfortunate that a lot of our tax dollars are going to fund these cops to take these drug recognition expert trainings when we really don't have a standard for that. It—it seems like a waste of money, in my opinion. You guys have a uh, homegrown Vermont because that's what wasn't it for a long time. There was no like retail, right? Yeah, we got homegrown. Uh, we got, uh, you know, I think six plants, four, six. It's not a lot, uh, but we do yeah. have homegrown. We've got a little caretaker program. Um, I think caretakers have the same uh, plant count and stuff as the homegrown. Um, I wish it was more than that. I see in Colombia, you can have 20 plants on a, on a home grow. I'm like, how is the cocaine country more fucking liberal than Vermont, which people think is, you know, a, a progressive paradise or something. It's really not, man. Our governor did not want legalization. Phil Scott is, in my opinion, a prohibitionist. He's, he's he kicked the can down the road for five years until the political pressure built up so much that uh, he was basically forced into legalization um, and let it pass without signing it. By the way, um, he he didn't want that. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I'd like to, if it's okay with you, Cole. I'd like to tie in some of Ben's board of directors here. Go for it, my friend. Uh, so we've got, um, you know, I already talked about Killer Mike. Do they um, have like I, pictures on his website that I can pull up, or do you have? Yes, the pictures yes. Up? If you go on there, um, hold on a second. I'll pull boop, it up. Boop, 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 who we are? Okay. Uh, or who are these guys? So cool. Yeah, who are yeah. these people? Who are these guys? Yeah, please. Okay, I was just on the Karen Ollie thing. Um, where, where is it again? Who Sorry. are these guys? Oh, who are these guys? Right there in front of me. This would be his board of trustees here. And, and as you can see here, this is the part where they explain that they're not even a cannabis company. And one thing that really bothers me, man, is that every other cannabis company in Vermont has to go through a federal background check. Costs five hundred dollars for seventy five, something like that. And they scrutinize your entire background, your whole life. Uh, that is for every cannabis business owner in the state and their employees have to also go through the same thing, which costs less for your employees. But because this is a nonprofit, they don't have to go through any of that same level of scrutiny. They're just licensing out. And, and I think that's bullshit. In, in my opinion, I think that anybody who's making money in the cannabis industry should have to go through the same set of steps. This allows them to sidestep that. So, um, man. Wait, yeah. so it's how does it allow them to sidestep it? Sorry. Well, you, because like... they're just collect, as you can see, uh, 
licensees pay us a royalty in exchange for the use of our formulas, packaging, and trademarks. These guys do not have a cultivation license. They don't have a manufacturing license. They don't have a retail license. They don't have a wholesale license. They don't have a testing lab. They this don't is have pretty, any of that. Yeah, this yeah. is that's pretty standard, though, I would say, for cannabis, like Wiz Khalifa, for example. He licenses shit out, you know, to cure a leaf. Yeah, but I... But yeah, like, true, like, true, like, true, like, uh, leave, I think. Oh, yeah. Cure, or all the companies leave, like a company like cookies, you know, yeah. like unless they're the actual license holder, like a lot of the time they're just licensed like they yeah, are in and, Illinois. Like cookies doesn't have any license in Illinois. They're just licensed. They're, they're yeah, and, <laughs> and absolutely. That is pretty standard. I'm, you know, um, <laughs> as far as licensing deals goes, it does seem like it's pretty normal. But in an industry where you're making um, people pay 500 bucks for a background check and the Fed, the, the FBI is, is poking around their background, I think everybody should have to go through that. I don't think you should be able to avoid that by starting a nonprofit and licensing out your packaging. And that's that's my opinion. But um, I think it allows people to to avoid doing that. And I don't like that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, course, and Ben, yeah, yeah, and um, someone's missing there. It's uh, there's there he is, Jesse Horton. Okay, cool. And you know, um, oh, killer Mike. Another big thing that really bothers me is that you know they say a hundred percent of our profits are going to fight the wrongs of the war on drugs. Okay. 90% of those profits are leaving the state, and none of those people you're looking at right now live in Vermont. Derek doesn't live here. Phil doesn't live here. Killer Mike doesn't live here. Ben, I think, lives here sometimes. Nina Turner also was a senator from Ohio. Um, you know, I'm not sure how bad they had it on the war on drugs. And Jesse Orton, he doesn't live here either, you know. Um, so 80% of the profits that these guys make are going to go to a nonprofit in Oregon called new leaf, which is run by Jesse Horton's wife. Um, Jeanette Horton. I feel like I saw that somewhere, but where did you see that? At? The new uh, leaf thing. Was that on the Oh, Well, I found that. No, I, that was a little um, side work I did. I don't know if it's in the blurb when you, I swear I saw it somewhere on here earlier. We'll try to find it again. Yeah, and and you know, if you go out there, you'll find that uh, New Leaf is partnered up with all kinds of these big MSOs, Wana, Cookies, Parallel, which was the Bo Wrigley uh, shit. Um, yeah. Wild. Did I say Wild already? Yeah. Um, Doctor Bronner's, which is weird, and you know, um, so. Part of the reason I, I ever tied Shaleen Title and the Parabola Center in with this was because they claimed, um, you know, their forward-facing position of their um, think tank is like, we don't want these big corporations in the cannabis industry. It's like, okay, well, you know. Is this the 80% like, thing you said? Sorry. Uh, there it is. New Leaf, 80%. Yeah, 80% of, of Ben's best profits are going to New Leaf, which is, and, and also tied up with Hawthorne. And Hawthorne, as I said earlier, that's Hawthorne is the investment vehicle for Scott's Miracle Grow, okay, which is run by the Hagedorn family here in Vermont. And now, and we just we just made a few leaps here. So New Leaf is uh, owned by Hawthorne, which is owned by no, 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 Scott's no, no. Grow. Um, sorry, um, let me slow down a little. Sorry. So yeah, no, my apologies. Too. Um, New Leaf is run by Jeanette Horton, 
who is okay. Jesse Horton's wife. Jesse Horton is the president of the board of trustees for Ben's company here. Um, they, her nonprofit, New Leaf in Oregon, is partnered with Hawthorne. Um, Hawthorne is the investment vehicle for Scott's Miracle Grow, which is owned by the Hagedorn family. Jim Hagedorn, I think his son is Chris. They have also just started a um, wholesale company here in Vermont. And those are the guys. Uh, Scott's Miracle Grow has been partnered here in Vermont with Monsanto for the last 20 years. That is where, um, hey, hold up. Do I got the screen share with the stupid charts about the pollution? And I meant to be showing. I had this real quick, Caleb. I had this thing up with on New Leaf or New Leaf's website that yeah does mention Jesse Horton. Yeah, that's her husband. Oh, that's her husband right here. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Sorry, you can share your screen now. Um. Let's see. Somewhere I got a picture of the. Glyphosate usage here in Vermont. Um, let's see if I can get that up there. Yeah, where'd I go? Sorry, I'm. I haven't used Zoom for a while here. It's all good. Oh. Gives us time to roll more joints. Did that pop up? Mm-hmm. There we go. It's a okay. graph of uh, common ingredients. Yeah, and as you can see, atrazine usage has also been on the rise here in Vermont. Um, and so, some of these, go ahead. I was just wondering, how does this tie in? What were you saying? Well, so so <laughs> the guy, no, the guys from Hawthorne, Jim Hagedorn, the yep. CEO of Scott's Miracle Grow, has partnered with Monsanto for the last twenty, almost twenty five years here in Vermont. Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing is. And I'm again, I don't want to make accusations, but what we've seen since that deal went down is a massive increase in the use of uh, some of these types of pesticides. Um, you know, there's glyphosate again, uh, most common active ingredients used in forestry management. Glyphosate, like, um, you know, this is used in highway and railway. I'm not sure why they're spraying this type of shit on our highways and railways. I assume it's to, keep the grass from overgrowing the tracks but um you know these are the kind of people and uh yeah, i should stop that make it stop <laughs> um yeah these are the kind of people doing business in vermont and it's it, to me it's deeply concerning um i really you know I don't need a lot of pesticides sprayed on my highways or my railways or cornfields. I don't like all the MSO or um, sorry, um, GMO corn moving into Vermont here. Um, it just to to me is it's unsafe. It's it's uh, showing up in our waterways and our soil, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if it starts showing up in our cannabis here soon. Uh, and so you know. Uh, one of one of the other guys who who's not shown on that website, by the way, is a guy named Chris Walsh. And Chris Walsh uh, used to own Nectars here in Vermont, one of the most popular nightclubs in Burlington. And he worked for uh, Ianthus, which is one of the companies who bought up all five of our uh, medical dispensaries here in Vermont have been bought up by out of state MSOs. 
the one who bought uh, Grassroots and Brandon was called Ianthus, uh, which was run by Randy Maslow and Hadley Ford. Hadley Ford was forced to resign from the board of his own company for uh, pocketing $150,000 of investor funds. And uh, his sister actually sold the license off to him. I'm not sure how that went down, but Chris used to work for them and somehow got a job on the advisory committee to the Cannabis Control Board here in Vermont. And, uh, you know, just another example of how, you know, people with the connections are getting the leg up and not the people who need it. Or, uh, you know, Bill Lofi and Dan Chang, who run Cry Botanicals, they got, I believe, the second tier three manufacturing licenses in Vermont, which is the largest tier you can get. Uh, Bill Lofi was a former chief of staff or Peter Shumlin, who was our former governor. Um, it, you know, so when I see these type of people getting this leg up, um, as opposed to, you, you know, I, I knew all this social equity talk was bullshit when I first heard it. It sounded like bullshit. The government doesn't usually care about poor people or black people. And when I heard them um, just repeating this stuff over and over, it really, I have notes from the first time I went to a control board meeting last February that said social equity and look into this. <laughs> and, you know. I, I just and Ben has done the same thing. He hired five. He hired five black people to be on his board of trustees. You'd be hard pressed to find five black people in Vermont. It's really hard. This is one of the whitest states in the country. Somehow, and you know, to me, that's um, yeah. We've been calling that tokenization. And I, I, you know, I know black people in Vermont that could have used a loan um, to help them get their business off the ground. Um, and meanwhile, he's given his loan to a guy in the natural gas industry who's starting a rolling paper company in Indonesia. I just, I don't love that. And I think it undermines really their entire credibility. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, I think that's a salient point. The only thing like and I'm not even saying this as a like a question to you, Caleb. I'm just thinking out loud. So Phil and Caleb, feel free to join along. Um, but like, what is so? You think like, I think that like Ben. Are you saying instead maybe Ben would like set up a hiring board or something in Vermont and like look for locals or? I mean, we could we're just spitballing here, so we could bring you know anything is better is basically what you're saying, right? <laughs> sure, that'd be a great idea. You know, there are people here that need jobs that some people that have been displaced by his deal with Unilever. There are family farms that have gone out of business because of the the deal that they did. Why don't you reach out to some of those people and see if they need some help? You know, um, that'd be a great start, in my opinion. You're not, I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I wonder how you get, you know, you get him to hear that. I know you've been trying to reach out to him and stuff. Uh, they're not going to talk to me. They know better. <laughs> what do you, what do you mean? You could be an asset. I look at you like a uh, talent acquisition, like you just said earlier, maybe, did you say it earlier where it's like, you you know, you like kind of, no, I think, uh, I don't know if you said it earlier. You're like when, you know, we look into people, right? Like. You know, that's a good skill and to 
to be able to do. So you're, and you're holding them to their own values. So like, what's the big, you'd think that like, as far as that goes, they'd be all for it, you know? No, I was I was too aggressive off the top, you know, and I'm still learning how to do this. And, you know, I'm going to scare some people away. And I, I wish I didn't do that one. But, you know, that's uh, fair enough. Le- learning how to um, approach people, on, on, especially on a story like this, like, hey, I'd like to get you on my show to talk about some shit that might not make you look very good. Sure. Um, that's uh, it's tough, dude. And I'm still learning how to Is do that. Is that why you put that sign up behind you? Oh yeah, that's a remind. That's a reminder for my guests, and also very much for myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just fucking absolutely. That's no, also yeah. a. That's also part of my purpose here. Sometimes for Cole is I can say things like Pam Altoff is the wicked witch of Illinois cannabis, or was, and he actually reaches out and does an interview with her, so he doesn't get to say stuff like that. <laughs> and that's what I need. I need a PR uh, interviewer. Someone. <laughs> Someone who could say what I'm thinking without my face on. <laughs> the smart move, dude. Yeah, it's like a vent, you know, ventriloquists. It's like the best mm. secret. The vent, the the puppet can say whatever the fuck they want. Mm. You know, Phil's Cole, just my puppet. I'm just joking. Cole, can I can I um <laughs> can I tie in the Parabola Center link here? Why not? Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So um you know when I was putting this story together all of these people seem connected in interesting ways. And I really didn't know how to, I felt like there was a missing link. So I ate some mushrooms one day and I was sitting on my backyard. As uh, one does. On the, yeah. On the picnic table, trying to put it together. And I remember when I hit up Lou Rinaldi. I said, I think Shalene title is going to be the missing link in this whole story. And then bam, the next day she posted an interview with Ben Cohen. Oh, I said, wow, that's interesting. And then I went back, I found interviews with killer Mike and panel she spoke on with um, Derek Hamilton. And it seemed like she tied the whole thing together. And, you know, I've tried to get Shailene on my show uh, three times. She didn't go for it. Um, at one point, she told me one of my guests was kind of being a little racist or something, or maybe I should be more careful with my guest selection. And I offered her a spot. I said, hey, if, if this woman said anything that was incorrect, Please come on and correct it. If something was wrong, I will issue a correction or a retraction. Um, she never went for it. Um, cracked a couple of jokes on my expense. Her her intern, um, Grant Smith Ellis, was accusing me of being wanted for sexual misconduct in Vermont, which <laughs> is way over the line, in my opinion. And I sent that to her. She didn't do anything about it. Uh, you know, and, and some of her friends have just been super rude to me. I've interviewed a couple people. I interviewed more Maurice Stringer, who was um, attacked by a couple of the Parabola Center partners at uh, NECAN, uh, the Big Hope Project guys, um, attacked him on camera. And then were, uh, uh, from what I saw anyway, appeared to be stalking him on the street. Um, some of the some of the folks that these people work with are are not. They don't seem to be good people, you know, and, um, you know, uh, we've asked Shailene about her connections with Forefront. Um, we know we know she worked for Forefront. That's documented. And she was a, a minority shareholder at the beginning. And, uh, you know, I got muted for saying this the other night on a podcast. But, you know, 10 months after a- after she worked for Forefront, she worked for the Massachusetts Cannabis Control Commission during her time on the Massachusetts Cannabis Control Commission. They issued licenses for every MSO in the country. They did a cure relief on like their second meeting. They did true leaves and 
MedMen and botanists and all, all of these type of MSOs. And, and so for them to like start a, a think tank and, and suddenly say, oh, we're against the corporate cannabis. Like, okay, well, why did you issue licenses for literally every shitty um, corporate cannabis company in the country during your time when you were on the board there? Um, but they're not like, they're not like against corporate cannabis in general, right? Uh, go, look, go look at the parabola. Like Center parabola. I so thought their in, thing was more like, like anti-monopoly, like just trying to prevent anyone from, from like, this becoming is, this is, way too big. Well, you know, this is, Philip, it, what I would describe, in my opinion, as pulling up the ladder behind you. And can now we that all, go, ahead, go ahead, continue? I was just want I really want to explain who we're talking about for folks that have no idea, because I let you go. I, I wanted I wanted to, like, get what you were saying out. But uh, you mentioned names. So Shalene, who's this individual, Shalene Title part of the parabola center just background for folks real quick and then we can continue. I've, just, I've just never heard her talk about stuff like when i've have like i've watched interviews with her and many things there's nothing that she like has advocated for that to me is like a red flag yeah well you got to go back like this than that man <clears throat> well i mean there's you know i mean cole just talked to someone who has like you know pictures of her as like a college student like holding up a cannabis leaf you know like i i think she certainly back then was just in it for totally benevolent and well i got pictures of her doing panels with the people from cure leaf so i mean well right but that's what i'm saying it's like her thing i thought was more like anti-monopoly not necessarily like you well, know if it's, it's anti-monopoly if it's anti-monopoly, why are they issuing licenses to all the folks that are trying to monopolize this industry is my question, Philip. Sorry to interrupt you, too, by the well, way. But, but that's just it. It's like, you're, can you deny, you know, like, like in Illinois, we have like this limit of like 10, you know, you have limits, you have like caps on how much you can own. Which, you know, who knows how that's enforced because the stuff is confidential anyway. Right. But like, uh, yeah, like that is the kind of thing I envision her pushing. So I don't see her being like, oh, this company shouldn't be licensed. But it's like, you know, how much market share does that company have? You know, this more, was more her concern, I thought. Well, and, and you know, hey, um, their public image is a lot of stuff I agree with. Her previous background body of work is stuff that I very much don't agree with. And, you know, um, you I think maybe she, she just... learned from those mistakes. No, I'm I just think asking. Maybe, I think maybe they're correcting their uh, their image, you know, because it, look, they started in Colorado. Colorado's turned to a mess now. They're in Massachusetts. Massachusetts is a mess now. All of these, and, and part of the point of this story is also that. The people that we're listening to to guide the policy on the cannabis industry are not people that know a lot about cannabis. They're lawyers. And as uh, I think someone pointed out, cops, um, you know, and, and these are not, in my opinion, you know, all of the rules and regulations were written by people who spent the last uh, several decades uh, fucking people over and, and authorizing police to harass motorists and take your shit 
and things like that. And I feel like what's happening now is that we are taking instructions from the same people who brought about all that madness and expecting that we get a different result. And I think that what we're seeing in a lot of these states, even Vermont, which I said earlier, I think has some of the most favorable um, regulations in the country. Even some of the shit here I look at and I say, I'd never start a fucking business here. The packaging regulations, the it, you know, they didn't drop the civil asset forfeiture fees, uh, you know, and it, it just it, it's wild to me that we're listening to lawyers and policy wonks instead of people who actually grow weed and people who know about the plant. And that really kind of drives me nuts. I'm getting my weed sparked up too. It's just one of those awkward silences. Where yeah, thanks, here. thanks, Phil. Yeah, it's a it's a great point, man. And look, I don't like to just shit on Shalene Title, but like this Vicente Cedarberg model, you know, I've found some lawsuits involving Vicente Cedarberg where she used to work. Brian Vicente is on paper talking about how they take advantage of people to gain licenses and then don't actually sometimes hire those people after they get the licenses. They'll make one company whose job is to go acquire the license and then they'll transfer it to another company that actually operates under the license. And they don't, they take advantage of black people and brown people to go get those licenses. And they also said, he said, hey, um, go uh, use an in-state name or someone with an in-state address because it looks better on paper. You know, and, and also this rule they've invented about if you own less than 10% of a license, you don't have to put your name on it. Uh, <laughs> you know, that allows people to get equity into companies. And in Vermont, what happens, right? We have two law firms here in Vermont. What happens is if you want to start a company in Vermont, you pay Tim Fair $3,000 or whatever their fee is, they get you the license and that's it. What Vicente Cedarberg did was say, hey, we're going to go into these states with a super high cost of entry, and you're going to want to experience law firm to help you navigate the challenges of this and that and the other. And then they take an equity stake in your company, which came out in this lawsuit in Maryland, where we find out that they have a 6.5% equity stake in, in this company. And, and Brian's using in-state names to make it look better and taking advantage of people to acquire licenses. Uh, and, and that whole model has been used around the country. They started in Colorado, which was the first legal state, and yeah. they have spread that model um, across the country, in, in my opinion. And You're talking about tax and regulate? Yeah, and I, I'm also just talking about some of, like, Vicente Strategies is their consulting firm, and they were hired to work here in Vermont. And I watched yeah. some of those meetings where they were in, and it was a joke, man. They clearly don't know about cannabis. They know, they're lawyers. They know about making laws and, and shit, and so, the, oh, no, no, my my apologies for cutting you off. Continue. No, I think I was about out of shit. I just, you know, I, you know, Vicente Cedarberg was a law firm. Vicente Strategies was the consulting firm. And it almost looked like they just sent their consulting firm out in front of their law firm to, you know, uh, pitch ridiculous rules, in my opinion. You know, I was listening to them argue about uh, the font size and, um, you know, the color and the different type of fonts. Some fonts look more appealing to children. It was a joke, man. 
we should be talking about how uh, we can make cannabis businesses successful and not talking about font sizes and, uh, you, you know, colors that are, it, it was just silly. Yeah. So to Phil's point, um, I'm going to make to your point, Caleb, and to Phil's point, let's start with your point, Caleb, on their about page. They do say the Parabola Center is a nonpartisan think tank of professionals and drug policy experts coming together to protect people, not corporations. So they do mention corporations there, you know, and that they're not protecting corporations. But at the same time, I think Phil has a great point. One of my favorite papers by Shaleen Title. I love these suggestions here. It's not only by Shaleen Title. I think other people, maybe she collaborated with it, collaborated with people on it. One, allow people to grow a reasonable number of cannabis plants for personal use. I think reasonable means uh, no limit. But anyways, um, one of the things that Phil was saying earlier, sorry, I'm high and just lost. Do not cap the number of business licenses available, but limit how much of a market any one person or entity may control. So it's not the idea that Curaleaf, Cresco, uh, fucking uh, what is the one you said earlier? For, ascend, forefront. forefront, ascend. What was the Bo Wrigley one? Parallel. I'm just naming all Parallel. the ones I can think of. It's not uh. that they can't get licenses, but they can't. It's the idea that they can't dominate the market. You know, again, no mo monopoly. Back to Phil's. But they, but they are dominating the market, aren't they? I mean, they're certainly trying to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They invest in limited license hey. markets. I'll quote Ben Kovler. He says, why go why go to a knife fight when you can just sit at the beach? In other words, don't go to like an open market where yeah. you like have to fight people when you could just go to a limited market and reel the fucking money in. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the talk about the corporations just bugs me because, you know, if you're going to partner up with someone like Ben Cohen, who's sold out Vermont farmers to a gigantic multinational corporation. That's where you start to lose me, man. You know, like a lot of the policy positions at the Parabola Center, I would probably agree with if I didn't know any of this other shit. They have a very nice uh, forward facing position that I like. But, you know, and you and also like, oh, go ahead, Phil. Look at I this. mean, I would also just say, like, you know, like Parabola Center, one of their partners is Chicago Normal, who supports license caps. No, <laughs> so I don't. Like, but but I just think, like, you're a group that big, like, you just, you have to make uh, friends with powerful people and, you know, like, probably pick, you probably don't agree with everything that all of your partners do or say or believe, you know what I mean? Yeah, and if I owned an organization like this, I'd kick those motherfuckers right out of there. If Big Hope Project attacks Maurice Stringer at Nikan, I'd kick them the fuck out. You wouldn't be my partner anymore. Well, because like, doesn't like Cannabis Equity Illinois Coalition? I think they also support license caps, don't they? Or they're not like uh, vehemently yo, and, opposed and, to them. And some of these people, here's a quote from Jeff Pizzatello, who's another, yeah, whatever. Um, you know, some of these people like um, Caney, if you go to the Nor uh, the National Craft Cannabis Coalition, um, inside of that, you have um, Caney, which is the Cannabis Association of New York. Those guys actively clap when people get arrested, like uh, legacy guys. And, and part of the um, sorry, I'm looking policy position. Yeah, it's OK. Um, it's it's under N. You got to yeah. go down to N, but okay. uh, National Craft Cannabis Coalition. But. You know, some of those people, uh, she says that we don't work with people who like 
to call the cops or, um, you know, people who take money from big tobacco. And if you go into the National Craft Cannabis Coalition, you're going to find Caney. And if you look on their Twitter page, they just clap when people get busted. Um, and I don't fuck with people like that at all. I don't deal with police. I don't like that shit. And also the Origins Council with Janine Coleman, um, who has uh, collaborated with CPAIR, which in my opinion is a front for big tobacco, um, from what I've seen anyway. And so, you know, the, you know, and Shailene says she. I think Shailene. Police. I think doesn't doesn't she say that about CPAIR? I mean, I think. The first time I heard about them was something she had said about them. Well, hey, we asked her about this, man, and she never wants to answer these questions. And, you know, I've invited her on my show three times, and including after I did this Ben Cohen story where she reached out to Mike Crawford and asked if she came on my show if I'd be fair to her. Like, I'm fair to all my guests. I've done 200 interviews in the last year and a half. I've never had a problem, and I've had cops on the show. I've had people that I really disagree with and it always goes well. And so I'm not sure why she's reaching out to Mike for that. You know, I've offered her spots multiple times and I was a little rude last time I talked to her, but you know, she, I didn't appreciate the way she approached me telling me I need to uh, check my guests better. Uh, and then not coming off for rebuttal. If you're going to tell me that uh, my guests are being slightly racist, then um, you should clarify that, you know, Who were they? No, dude. And the guest was Larissa Bolivar. I'll tell you about it. It was uh, number 106 or something. Um, and Larissa came on the show. Larissa was the one who really put me in touch with all of this Vicente Cedarberg stuff and tied in a lot of these people. And everything Larissa has told me has checked out, except for one fact. She said um, Shalene maybe stole pieces of her social equity um, bill that she was trying to propose. And I've never been able to confirm that. I've also never been able to disprove that, which, uh, so that's still open. But I've also had another gentleman tell me the exact same thing. And, uh, you know, whether or not that's true, I don't know. But I was told that on two separate occasions from different people um, who didn't speak to each other. Gotcha. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, Shalene was a smaller part of this story. I just, she was the tie in there. And it is odd that to me also that uh, Forefront announced a fucking $55 million expansion 10, min, uh, 10 months after she got off the board in Massachusetts. Um, you know, and again, like I said at the beginning, I'm not trying to prove a crime, but these are facts. That's what happened. Um, and, you know, I think it's odd that regulators and lawyers and all of these type of people are getting their friends these great deals while I watch other people um, who have been doing this their whole lives struggle. They can't get a fucking loan to get a business open. And then that thing right there really bothers me. Um, it, it's wild to watch, you know, the people who, not to say Shalene was involved in this, but it's wild to watch the, the people who, scrutinize you for growing a plant now uh, making a tax revenue off it. I really, I really don't like that at all. Who, sorry. Who was the one that scrutinized for growing the plant? Oh, I'm saying the, the legislators, the lawyers, the, the 
criminal justice system. I'm seeing a lot of cops now involved in the cannabis industry. I'm seeing a lot of lawyers. I'm seeing a lot of judges who are getting spots on the the Vermont, uh, for example, the Vermont uh, Marijuana Commission in 2017. There was at least one judge on there and, uh, you know, a bunch of lawyers. And it's cool to have a lawyer in the room. You should have a lawyer in the room to make sure that you're not doing anything too crazy, but we don't need like one out of every two people to be a fucking lawyer in the room. You know, that there was, there's three people on the cannabis uh, control board here in Vermont and 14 people on the advisory committee. And they don't know shit about growing weed. You know, they didn't think to hire any uh, weed growers, even though, uh, uh, you know, I had a guy on my show, John Rogers, who was a senator for eight years, who was a house rep for eight years, who is a hemp farmer, um, it's like a eighth generation uh, Vermonter who applied to be on the control board. They didn't even interview. Instead, we got uh, James Pepper, who was a lawyer for the state's attorney's office and the uh, sheriffs, you know. So we got a cop lawyer in charge of the control board instead of a dude who actually knows about cannabis. And in my opinion, that's why uh, state to state we're seeing uh, just a a, a trail of uh, dumpster fires. Excuse me. Sorry if I just uh, coughed right into your ears. Um, yeah, dude. I mean, I can get down with that. I like it. It is unfortunate that the fucking legal cannabis industry seems to be all about regulation. It goes back to something that uh, Phil was saying earlier where it's like we just need to drop all of the criminal penalties and you know like it's it is tax and like the cannabis regulation and tax act in the in illinois but i really think it comes down to yeah regulating and taxing cannabis instead of removing the criminal penalties for cannabis which is really what needs to happen because how do you address social equity without ending the fucking cycle that perpetuates it and as long as criminal enforcement is the main enforcement mechanism for cannabis like yeah i have seen people applaud in new york uh the closing of those shops when you said canny earlier can i find anything about canny uh, you'd have to scroll way back you'd have to scroll way back through their twitter i don't use twitter very much anymore but that was you know you mean um, x i'm just joking twitter yeah. yeah whatever the fuck it is now um um yeah, this was this was like last year or maybe December. I don't know, a while back. Um, uh, it, it was just disturbing to see, and I've seen other uh, groups doing this too. And I just don't support that at all, man. I don't fuck with the police, and uh, I don't fuck with people who who call cops on other people, especially if some of those people are the folks who help build this entire industry. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, I, I totally agree with that. I'm trying to pull up their Twitter, see if I can pull up. You yeah, know what they like said a... approximately? No, it's just, well, they, they post a lot of stories and they were just, um dude, I have a screenshot somewhere. Okay, you, cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, if you I'll please... pull them up for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's going to, we have to do that later, but I, I have that shit and I've talked to a number of people about it and, you know. What, well, I will also, you... I can also get you the CPAIR stuff uh, with their connections to the Origins Council. Okay. That's way back. I'm going to have to scroll a long okay. time. Okay, I understand. 
if you want to do it right now, I probably could, but it would take me fucking 20 minutes to scroll back there. Yeah. Fuck. And their search function online sucks. Sucks yeah. so bad. So yeah, I'm yeah. trying it on my phone right now. It actually is better on the phone. I just want to like be able to pull some of this shit up, you know, because like, th- oh, think canny is what the fuck the handle is. That's why I'm not pulling it up. Yeah, boy, All right, that's, so that's do, do you, what do they say? Like uh, unlicensed shops or do you can you think of any buzzwords that'll get me something? I know I'm really I mean, reaching those, right are, those were definitely some of the stories. Yeah, it was about the unlicensed shops getting busted yeah. in New York, which, uh, yeah, I don't, I would have to go back and I wish I had a Jamie. Yeah, dude, me too. I need a secretary um, and a Jamie. Yeah, so, okay, so I just looked up unlicensed on Think Canny. Um, CCB chair, see, I wish this fucking is bullshit that Twitter, you can't. I'll go back to it and get you some. It's way back there. It's like I can pull it up on my fucking phone and I can't pull it up here. I wonder if I can connect via Zoom on my phone and share my screen. Um, We'll try this out. Because I did find them saying stuff about unlicensed, but let's just take a look. Um, I I mean, I see the CCB chair Tremaine for NY. So that's the CCB chair issued a warning today that unlicensed adult use cannabis sales, including those that involve the sale of an item accompanied by a gift of cannabis, remain illegal. And those who engage these sales, quote, run the risk of severe financial penalties. Uh, this was on October 21st, 21 at 3.24 p.m. I'll actually send this to myself so that I can just share it on the screen. Because Twitter's a fucking piece of shit uh, interface, but there's one I think that is that kind of what you were looking for. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, again, I have screenshots of this. It's just so far back, dude, and I don't, yeah. it, it would take me forever to fucking find it right now. Yeah, but I'll I'll get you that after we're done if if you really want it. I, and I mean, it's just, I, and I see a lot of people doing this, and you know, some of it seems kind of casual. But, you know, some of the people that are being targeted by these arrests now. Oh, you know what? This is really out. easy. There are three twi- tweets by them that mention unlicensed. But you probably have others. Sorry, I feel like I just cut you off. No, no, that's good. That's, you know, uh, I just it's been a while. You know, I, I stopped using yeah, I Twitter. It. So um, the only reason I hopped on Twitter was to follow these investor groups because I like watching people get fleeced on their investments. And uh there's so many fucking dipshit investors on there. It's fun to watch. Yeah, so um, they're replying to somebody. Draft rules for... They've got a thread. Tremaine, oh, yeah, so they're recapping what was said on a meeting in 1021, and they say that Tremaine stressed that any retail recreational cannabis sales happening in NYS are not authorized or legal said that unlicensed cannabis is not tasted, tested for safety and remains illegal, addressed the illegality of cannabis gifted at the same time an item is sold. So, But they're recapping in that case. Don't um, you love how in the world of legal weed, we still have illegal weed? Right. It's so fucking stupid. Um, That's what I'm talking about, <laughs> Phil. You know, and that shit really bothers me, man. That's not people legal. Don't even que- pe- people don't even question it for the most part, though. Yeah. So these three isn't tweets, that, at least, these three tweets, at least they're quoting somebody. So they're not like advocating <laughs> for anything on un- unlicensed. But yeah, give me those things and I'll add them in, I guess, 
like post prod, or we could even do a post call and like chop it in right here at this moment. You know Maybe I mean? we can get Kenny on my show. We can talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'll be happy um, to. I really don't play around with cops, man. I cops have ruined. But did they lives. like? Can you recall? Like, did they say like you need to call the police if you see these? Like, what did you mean uh, by calling it, for? No, I'm, dude, I don't even want to say it because I really don't remember. Uh, but I have fair enough. You don't want like, to speculate. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to speak out of turn here. But from my observation, they seem to be um, pro enforcement against clearly unlicensed uh, unlicensed businesses. And um, I'm just not into that at all. You know, a lot of those unlicensed businesses are the reason that people have licensed businesses to begin with. And I really just don't think that we should be wasting law enforcement time and fucking tax dollars to continue to bust people's balls if this shit is legal. To your point, Phil. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's a strange mm. world we live in. Yeah. I'm Especially about out of shit. shit. I'm, I'm about out of shit, too. Yo, I did Delta A stuff. If you want, I got a couple lab scientists out in Cal- uh, California that I've been talking to that uh, are super well-schooled on the... That'd be cool. Yeah, dude. I'd love to. The creation of um, synthetic cannabinoids and um, yeah, the byproducts that are created. Yeah, it's way over my head, but I got some good uh, people on deck. Sweet, dude. Well, hey, check out the fine print, folks. Anyways, you said hey. you got a little bit of stuff. I don't mean to get in the way of that. Um, Thank you. I want to say thanks, dude. Thanks for letting me talk. And, uh, you know, I know i got a lot to say, and uh, I'm kind of a heated prick sometimes, but I appreciate this space to speak, man. Uh, thank, you, thank you both, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Try not to break anything over here. <laughs> So what you yeah, got? I think I one of the to... things. Oh, with, go ahead. Yeah. One of the things with cannabis too, like the industry in itself, just seems so small when you look at it a lot of the time. Because, like, you know, like Cole and I will always joke that we look like that Charlie Day meme, drawing like red lines from people to people. Like, but it's also just such a small new business and industry like it just doesn't surprise me when like it just doesn't surprise like when you do look at someone like a shailene title and she worked for like a vincente cedarberg or forefront or things like this it's just like i don't know it's just like people just they get into it somehow and i don't know that like they necessarily are always working for people that they like agree with or are super like just just, like all on board with you know 100 percent. i agree with that sentiment like here in illinois like like here in like here in illinois like to me i mean i don't i'm I'm not looking to work in the cannabis industry but like to me i would feel weird working in any regard in the cannabis industry as it exists in illinois because i think it's so disgusting and tainted and awful (laughs) but like i don't judge people for working in it but anyone who's gonna be like an mm. activist in the space or like turned on to the issue in Illinois is probably going to be in the industry in some regard. So they're going to be working for a company like Cresco or, you wow. know, whoever. Funny you mentioned, you know, that. like, so yeah, like, I think that's also that, like, that's part of the issue when you like look at all this stuff. It's like, it's easy to like 
see it as some grand conspiracy but this like, is the meme that it, phil was referencing yeah. earlier by the way oh. i always do this for myself because this is no me. i yeah that's why i did this yeah <laughs> oh you're t- yeah, yeah yeah i got a thing here hold up hold up what do you got look is that showing this is this is a bill that's showing title Hold on, that- it's showing the your file explorer, but it's not showing the um, picture. I think that you clicked okay. on. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, there we go. There we go. This is the bill that Shalene Title worked on. This is the MCBA model bill, um, with the generous support of Kayvon Calibari, who is the COO of Cresco, as you had mentioned there, Phil. Um, you know, and, and we've tried to ask her some questions about this, you know, uh, about generous support. Um, usually when I describe someone as generous, it's because they gave me something and sometimes it's something is money. Um, I'd really like to know about that and the work that went in there. You know, when we try to ask her about this, she she got very dodgy and we still never got a straight answer on that. Um, and I Another really group, keep that up if you could. Oh, shit. Oh, what? Sorry. There we go. Another group uh, I recognized on there, though, is the THC staffing group, which I just had uh, Danielle, who was also a part of the Parabola Center on my show. Yeah, well, didn't Shalene so, I mean, start the THC staffing group? Probably. Probably with Danielle. They went to college together, dude. <laughs> and, and SSDB, mm-hmm. which is... Yeah, with, and that they were there. They've been there, though, since like the 80s and stuff, the 70s. It's crazy. I've been follow- finding newspapers. SSDP, Leap normal uh, leap which is another group i don't but back to phil's yeah uh, yeah sorry. back to phil's point no it's okay i i heard you you said you to recap for folks if i accidentally cool. cut I'm, you I'm off gonna, you said, can i take that down sure you said right. uh you don't fuck with leap law enforcement action something no, no. and i've interviewed um, some cops that are in the cannabis industry one but, of them's here in vermont and i i just don't think law enforcement has any place in this industry whatsoever at all or yeah. or dictating policy I, yeah. I would say certainly not at least for like a couple, you know, two decades at least, you know, too soon. <laughs> too soon. <laughs> fair, fair. Too soon. If you're uh, a cop in two decades, you likely weren't arresting that many people for weed. So. <laughs> yeah. Damn, I forgot. I almost want to pull up, if I can pull up the captions, I forgot what we were saying here. Full transcript. Um, oh, man. This is long. It's okay. Uh, you were saying leap. Oh yeah, all these people. They're they're like back to Phil's point. Sorry, my bad. I'm high. Uh, these people. It's almost like you got a point here. They're all there, and like Khalid Kabari, he's in my document as well. He was sued for some like a. I think he set up CBAI. Phil. He was one of the people that kind of set up CBAI and that, or something before that. Maybe I think it was. It was something before that. It was like a slightly different, but same concept. Was it the Illinois Relief Fund? I think it was MCAI, but anyways, we're getting into the sand. Um, yeah, no, wait, is, I, was cur- I was curious about that. Yeah, no, I can provide you my document. You'll be able to, if you do a little search of Kale- uh, that guy's name, you'll find it. Kayvon. Kayvon. Sorry, I'm saying it wrong. Um, Kayvon. So anyways... But back to Phil's point that I think is a good point. Like, yeah, there's it's like the Charlie Day meme again. Like, they're all there. They've been there. Like, I've got pictures of them at these protests back in the day when they're smoking weed in front of the cops when they shouldn't be. And yeah, Leap was there. Normal was there. SSTP was there. Um, 
I'm sure other people that went to, in fact, Phil, one of the uh, Hash Wednesday interviews I just did, he was like, oh, yeah, my buddy, he works at KPMG now. I was like, uh, it was just kind well, of a funny connection. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's all so KPMG, by the way, uh, Caleb is the licensing company that totally botched our lottery. And you know, there's all these weird well, connections. Even somebody like, from KPMG was tied to like the license. They're like an accounting firm, I think, is what they, Correct. they actually do. Yeah, they're an accounting firm. So they're you know they're all over the place, and, but they and do it. What you say? These... One of them, one of them had a tie to a license in Illinois. Correct. They were a social equity candidate but oh of course got, yeah right you get it so uh but they also just apparently botched george was it georgia's or who was who was i talking to the other day phil uh it was alabama funny. We, i think alabama you we heard about alabama and it sounded so much like illinois i was like who did your licensing and he's like oh kpmg i was like oh my god <laughs> um you know and then well and kpmg doesn't even do it kpmg got the no outsourcing contract it, right? And then they outsourced it to another company for a fraction of that money. And then that company hired a bunch of recently graduated uh, college students or, you know, a bunch of recent college graduates and paid them, you know, probably like super shitty 27 bucks an hour. To and score I these can things provide that. all that to you as well, Caleb. It's in that same document. Crazy shit. That's... And it's all all these ties, right? <laughs> Did you say it was a no bid contract? Yeah. Yeah. I see a lot of that happening in Vermont. Not not just with cannabis. A lot of, lot of other areas. Yeah, wild. Boy. Yeah. And, and, you know, boy, our state hired a consulting firm called Rhodes Consulting, which uh, has a former CIA agent on it. Like, I don't know if uh, weed companies really want uh, spooks poking around their fucking business. But to me, that was wild, you know. And I was the only one that spotted that. And, uh, you know. Nobody really, the board never addressed my concerns about it, but I thought that was a legitimate concern, man. If I owned a weed company right now, I don't want no former CIA agents coming into my, you know, looking at my books or consulting me in any way. Like, stay away from me. (laughs) There's there's one cannabis company here in Illinois. Well, they've done a couple weird things, but their dispensary brand is called Altius. And they either it's I don't know if he's just a consultant that they hired to do security. Oh, I might be at part that. of he <laughs> might be part of their ownership. It's like um, the guy used to be like like the bodyguard for the drug czar. <laughs> mm. And they like took they like took PPP loans out. Um, and I'm. You know, I'm pretty sure they got their social equity license by paying the like 10 people to be on the payroll. So I would just love to know if any of the PPP loan money was used to pay those people's <laughs> mm. wages. <laughs> I, you know, what's funny is that I found Altius in your state because I was looking at another company with the same name here in Vermont, which is owned by Chris Hagedorn, who is the son of Jim Hagedorn, who is the CEO of Scott's Miracle Growth. And and runs the Hawthorne Investment Group. Uh, so, I think yeah. the PPP thing is that the company Phil that did the PPP thing. That is the craziest thing, dude. I can try to pull this up right now, but one attorney said that it, this if it's not sheer negligence, either way, even if it's negligence, it's a federal crime. What they did, getting these PPP loans. Maybe it was another company. Gee, uh, yeah, because there were multiple rounds. Because there was right. multiple years of the pandemic. We'll so in here. the first round, a bunch of cannabis companies applied. 
and got money and then they were told to give it back uh, and that they shouldn't apply in the future. And this company applied after that statement. <laughs> right. And just got some fucking money. And then again, back to but what there's we also saying. that other dispensary that has a cop among its ownership. That was the first social equity dispensary. They also took out a PPP loan. It was for much less. It wasn't for 200 grand. It was only for like 44,000 or something like that. Their explanation was that they weren't a cannabis company yet because they didn't have a license. <laughs> yep. And that goes back to my point about Ben's company. They're not a cannabis company either. It's a nonprofit. Their license is out there packaging and shit. And, you know, so they, they're not subject to the same rules and regulations necessarily. Yeah. So um, according to federalpay.org on May 1st, 2020, Vice Partners, which I believe is tied to this Altius company we're talking about, if I'm not mistaken. Am I wrong in that? Altius is like the, is like, you know, it's like Cresco is to Sunnyside, I believe. Okay. So it's like a brand. Yeah. This is, I think this one's though the GRI Holdings, which is a different company in Illinois. So I might be. That's Green Rose. That's yeah. See, that I might be. That... Oh, Green Rose. Are oh, they oh, in Connecticut oh, too? I don't Maybe. think so. I think they're only in Illinois at the moment. Oh, we, we, sure. follow, we follow a little story in Connecticut with a company called Green Rose. Maybe we'll have to circle back to that one, Phil. Yeah. I mean, these, these people don't give a shit about cannabis, so it doesn't surprise me that their company names are not creative. <laughs> so um, I just realized that these are two different stories. So I okay. said on May 1st, there's this Vice Partners. So that might be the Altius tie. But then I said similarly, there's GRI Holdings. But anyways, whether whatever the case is. Regarding PPP loans, plant-touching companies that received federal aid from PPP as a result of the economic turmoil must, should return the funds immediately. An attorney who leads the cannabis practice group at Dickinson Wright said, and, um, you know, he basically said the initial PPP loan did not have specific guidelines, but... If they were made on or after the April 15 guidelines, he said, quote, I don't know how this literally doesn't rise to the level of fraud, whether you do it with intent to deceive or it's done with reckless disregard with respect to what the rules said. Still trying to figure out how cannabis companies are publicly traded. Like, oh, we list them in Canada where it's federally legal. It's like, yeah, but that money's coming back here, right? Like, you're trading companies that are operating in the United States, you know, all the big MSOs are listed on the Canadian exchanges. And, right. you know, that sure seems like, uh, you know, if you or I did it, we would be arrested for, um, you know, money laundering or some kind of um, racketeering or something. It's very strange to me how they skirt these federal regulations and make everybody else abide by them. Yeah. I mean, for to an extent, they do have to work comply with some federal regulations like they're always bitching about 280e and all that shit you know but none of them pay their taxes anyway that's a good point yeah they, i mean what is that story where they said they don't even pay their taxes because they're just like what, I, like, I can't remember what i like was. phil it was on yeah. marijuana word. <laughs> word up phil <laughs> yeah, they don't they don't pay their taxes wasn't they that on like marijuana moment they said money. they just don't even pay their taxes I'm trying to think mm -hmm. of where I saw that story. And they have options to restructure their debt, which I talked about with um, David Rabinovich, which I thought was a really good interview where he talked about refinancing some of these 
um, uh, bad real estate deals and, and things of that nature, which is over my head. But, you know, a, a lot of uh, normal people don't have those type of options available to them where these big corporations, uh, you know, can, yeah, kick the can down the road. If, if you can't afford your taxes, yeah, it would just restructure that shit. And, you know. So I did find a reference on MJ Biz Daily. It says close readers of cannabis company financial statements have realized that many marijuana enterprises are financing themselves through non-payment of federal taxes. It's a very funny way of saying it. Yes. Evasion. <laughs> we, we save money by not following the law. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean to the to their point, it does the taxes do fucking suck. They get taxed yeah. like what eighty percent or some shit like that. The the two eighty it's like an Al Cap it's a, resi a residual from the Al Capone days, if I'm not mistaken. It is some well, you have to wonder if uh, like social equity operators are going to have to pay their taxes. Like I know well, Illinois yeah, already, Illinois uh, like did away with the two eighty thing at the state level. It was like a big thing the companies that operated here wanted. But yeah, I wonder if like, you know, just be another way the new operators would be disadvantaged. And, and you know, from the when I interviewed Tim Fair way back last year, he's uh, one of the two law firms here in Vermont that handles cannabis. He said, yeah, that 280E tax code, if you are running a um, dispensary could raise your effective tax rates to 70 75 percent which is I, I i don't even know how you fucking run a business under those kind of conditions especially with the property values here in vermont just going up and up and up and the taxes and you know the regular property taxes and shit like that it's crazy yeah it is nuts well, and we didn't. Um, and we didn't even have a lottery. Yeah. <laughs> Neither did we, really. No. <laughs> oh, I thought you guys. I thought you guys had a lottery out there. Supposedly. Yeah. Uh, well, you feel no me to try to find the video to show. <laughs> let's just see, like, what Caleb thinks when he sees this video. If I can find it real quick, can you stuff, Can you just stuff the boxes and buy as many votes as you want? Like, in, Phil, can try can not to try not to spoil the real thing, real quick. Yeah. But yeah. Maybe one thing, I guess, that just to your question, you can kind of stuff the boxes. You could buy as many licenses as you want the, or uh, applications as you want the first round. So the odds were in your favor if you made more money or if you had more money, rather, so that you could spend all, you know, all those applications. But there really was no lottery. <laughs> yeah, it was it was fake. <laughs> <laughs> the fix was in. Just with the. They released a video. Are and you trying to find the video, Cole? Uh-huh. I'm trying to find the video. When you look at the video, it's like something that you would put out in the Soviet Union to like cover up what you're actually doing. It's it it's insane. Some propaganda. <laughs> yeah. When he shows you it, I'll say more because I don't want to ruin it, but it's You already ruined it, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> now I know it's propaganda. Yeah, it's pretty damn. wild. I'm getting mad that I can't pull. I mean, even right the now. fact that they like put it out was just weird. Like, this is the cover up before the crime, just so you don't ask questions. Yeah, that's good. You want to pre cover it up, you don't want to wait till later to do damage control. 
son of a bitch. You can never find. Oh, hey, I found it, folks. I found it. I just about yes. gave up on it. Yes. We just about gave up. Let's actually watch it. Let's see. It should still be on the actual state of Illinois website. Oh my God, it is. Let's look at it. I also I also I archived it just in case. But so yeah, if this fails, I do have it archived. And I heck we can quickly pull it up. But here it is. I just want to see what Caleb thinks about this. Hi, Illinois. I'm Toy Hutchinson, Senior Advisor to the Governor on Cannabis Control. I'm here to walk you through the process for the upcoming conditional adult use dispensary license lotteries. Three separate lotteries will be held in the coming weeks. On July 29th, the lottery for the cut score applicants will be held. On August 5th, be the lottery here. for social equity justice involved applicants will be held. And on August 19th, the final lottery will be held for top scoring tied applicants. These lotteries will follow the same process the Illinois Lottery has been using for years. Here's how the process will work. Each applicant that is eligible to take part in a lottery is assigned an ID number. These numbers will be available on the IDFPR website in advance of the lotteries. IDFPR will provide the Illinois Lottery with a list of ID numbers that are eligible for the specific lottery being held that day. To ensure the process is completely blind and protect go. the validity of the results, the Illinois Lottery will use an automated system to input the ID numbers and have an independent auditor present throughout the entire process. A lottery what is that? accompanied by the independent <laughs> auditor will then run the lottery by clicking a button on the digital drawing system. Using a random number generator, the digital it's drawing system randomly draw yeah. numbers to select the winning ID numbers. This process will be done 17 times for each lottery, once for each of the... So, I mean, you get it. I'm going to keep playing this like kind of in the background here, but uh, see That's these guys. Funny. See these guys? These guys are trustworthy, though. They're funny running. That, uh, they got they had... Too. They had did a, a... So, when Illinois first passed REC, all the existing medical operators got a, like, free license for a REC-only shop. Yeah. But so, they, they, they had to do a lottery for where for where it would be like what region it would be in the state so at least i think that's what the lottery was for but either way uh they had to do a lottery the existing operators so all like the big mso companies mostly yeah so the top one was what that lottery looked like where they let them all sit in a room and watch them pick balls out of a giant thing but for social equity <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta trust these two you just guys got these two room. white guys with the one this guy's got a clipboard though that's what's important yeah so how, how do these social equity programs go so wrong in every state you know it's not it, these guys fault it makes me wonder about the people who proposed those rules in the beginning and you know it's just kind of a joke to me honestly I qualify for social equity. I couldn't even afford a fucking background check in Vermont right now. It's it's five hundred dollars. Get out of here. Yeah, back to you know one of Phil's points though. Like you know, the, at least with the with regard to the law in Illinois, you know, I don't want to speak out of term here, but I know that the Danielle person that I mentioned earlier that has ties to the Parabola Center was behind a competing bill competing against what happened here in Illinois and it would actually have been a stronger like home grow measure and I'd be happy to try and substantiate that a little bit more but you, I could start by um, just telling people to look into Representative Carol Ammons here in Illinois she gave a passionate speech which I've got on my YouTube channel 
I'd play it right now, but it's six minutes long. You should take the time, six minutes, and it's really crazy. She had. Yeah, send it over. I'll listen to it. Yeah, absolutely. I will send it to you, and I'll include it, uh, you know, in the podcast description, folks, um, as I mentioned earlier. Um, but it's it's really good stuff. And basically, if you look at her law, which, again, was competing with what happened in adult use here in Illinois, again, I maybe speaking out of turn, but I know that Dan, Danielle Schumacher, who is behind the THC staffing group, has really close ties to the Ammons family and and worked hand in hand and has we're, we're at those protests back in the day. Like I can pull those pictures up of her and Shailene back at those smoke weed uh fuck the police protests back in the day here in illinois yeah that's okay um show me a picture of them getting arrested for weed i'll be more impressed but yo i i, I believe you you don't have to play yeah I, and no, I they didn't a, have arrests those yo, years. And, and i know a lot of people were there and i'm not trying to discredit anybody's work that they've done you know no but i'm definitely um you know i look i question everything man and um this would have been easier if she just came on my show. We could have done this. I probably would have had a how great did, interview. Yeah, how did that come. happen? Can I ask well, that? Look, is, is that out of term? How, what? To ask, like, what What do you think happened there? Like, why well, did you not? Um, I, I think what happened was, you know, I started asking some questions. Some of my friends also had asked some questions of them that were really, uh, she got very dodgy, you know. And every time you ask a question, it seems like there's an army of goons. This was back when I was using Twitter, which I don't use much. But there'd be an army of goons that would just come out. For example, Grant Smith Ellis, who was her intern, who was accusing me of being wanted for sexual misconduct in Vermont. And I approached Shalene with that information, you know. And I'll tell you right now, Cole, if you were my intern and you were on the Internet um, falsely accusing people of sex crimes, you wouldn't fucking work for me anymore. You know, I approached Shalene with that information. She never responded to it. But, you know, our initial um um contacts were um you know I, I followed her for a while the first thing she ever said to me was after the interview i did with larissa bolivar where she said you know you you should be more careful with the guests that you have on your show um uh, you know she just slandered um five or six uh, people of color and i said okay if she's if there was some slander there and Shalene's a lawyer she should know the definition of slander. The first part about slander is that you have to say something that's not true. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, this is just for folks to Google it. And I was just displaying it for you as well, Caleb. If you want to check out the speech, it's seven minutes and 58 seconds yeah. long. So, but she basically, you know, uh, put a no, no vote bill in for this bill. And everybody should check out this speech because it basically kind of talked on, or I think it touches on, Everything we were complaining cl- complaining about earlier, where these laws do not go far enough to address the actual root of the issue, the war on drugs. You know, mm. they never will either. You know, because that would admit that it would force law enforcement and the government to admit that they've made a terrible mistake, and they just don't like admitting things like that. You know, God forbid they had to give you all your shit back that was stolen. Yeah. They already use that to buy new police cars and and guns and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. I got a pee. I got a pee. Wicked bad, Cole. Dude, I hey, was, why don't you I, go and we can come back. We can come back. Why don't you go to the bathroom? The client came in there, got high, and then he's like, "I don't." Oh, oh, like, back fresh, a brand new man. Here we are. 
Here we are. Yeah. But yeah, dude. Thank, thanks again for your time, uh, gentlemen. I really appreciate it. Yeah, dude. Anytime. You know, I try to like, I feel like it's good to take, again, I I know this is, might be a little cheesy, so I'll just devote like 10 seconds to it at most, but I do think it's what's going to make this show stand out. Like, we're going to take the time to have these conversations and flesh them out and look at things and it's no rush, you know? Um, people can skip through it or look at the transcript to control F to hear, to see what they want to find or whatever, you know, it's technology. So it's good. You know, it's good history to put down on the record, you know? Mm. So, and I hope we don't talk see, about. I hope we don't see Ben Cohen doing the same thing in the cannabis industry that they've done with the dairy industry. Cause that's what it looks like to me. And that was the main thrust of this story was just, you know, yeah, I actually downloaded a little picture to like, it's not perfect because an, another picture actually that I found made your point even better, but I couldn't find it in high resolution enough. But Unilever, so there's this map that I love. I've like referenced it since I was in high school and uh, it, they like update it regularly, you know, because it's just getting bigger and bigger. But under Unilever, there was that, again, not on this picture, but the other picture, there was that brand you mentioned earlier. What was it? The cheese brand? Cabot. Cabot, yeah. There was the Cabot, but then you can see here Ben and Jerry's, Klondike, Magnum, baby. And look at these other companies. These are the worst companies in the world right here. Nestle, Coca-Cola. Hey, you take that back. Coca-Cola, who sent... I'm just joking. uh, I love Colombian hit squads to fucking murder their employees when they tried to unionize. They also have a fucking monopoly on the coca leaf as a a soda producer in the United States, which is Mm. interesting. Even yeah. Pepsi wants that. Like I've heard that Pepsi tried and the government was just like, nah, fuck you. And I say I've heard, I think I heard it on a podcast or something. So folks, you know, do your own research. Pepsi doesn't have, and look at Mars over there with Wrigley. You see Wrigley right there. And that's, you know, I, I never realized chewing gum was such a fucking massive fortune, but you know, Bo Wrigley was, you know, and the guy from Parallel. But you know, what's and interesting then- about this is that you're you know, you're going to see cannabis somehow fit into this because that's how they're structuring cannabis too, Phil. You remember like the box Brown maps? Like this looks like a box Brown map. Like we could just add. Yeah. Brian's Brian's great, man. Um, But I feel like that's what it's going to be. And that's what they're structuring themselves after. Would you agree? Like these, the the cannabis companies now, you know, Phil, at least in Illinois, they talk about all, all about brand portfolio and stuff like that. So they're all about, you have like this brand, but then you have like brands under that brand. (laughs) You're, I don't know. You've got, I mean, they just do that. They just do that to confuse people. They just come out with new brands. So someone sees something new on a shelf because they, they just, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. True. There's only uh, so many, especially here, there's only like, you know, there's probably actually producing product. Most of the product is produced by like seven or eight companies. Well, we could just so, pull up a menu too, just to make it. was the same point. in Connecticut where a hundred percent of their market is owned by these MSOs and that's all they have. There is, there really isn't any small mom and pops in Connecticut. It's a, like four MSOs that run the whole show, you know, and, and to get a social equity license there, they got what you call an equity joint venture. Right, where you're basically forced to partner with an MSO to get a, a social equity license. Is that what social equity is about? In, in some of these states, you only have to own like 10% in Vermont for social equity. You got to own 51% of the company. Some of the other states, right. it's right. like 10 
And then they just squeeze you out of your equity a few years down the road. And then you don't have a fucking business anymore. So uh, I'm just pulling up a menu. Not that this like makes a crazy point, but it's just kind of funny to look at. So, you, you know, you got Cresco flour, but these, these are like different brands. And this one even says like, it's funny cause it's in Illinois, but it says fig farms, California cannabis. It's, if I pull it up here which is totally misleading, you know, but that's the brand. And it's, it's, I believe to make the point, this, this brand and this brand, I think they're under the same like company, but you know, you'd think they're different companies. This is technically a Cresco brand right here. You'd think like, oh, this is uh, some other company. And in fact, it says premium cannabis flower, you know, and it just, it doesn't look like on its face, a Cresco product, but it is in the Cresco portfolio of products to Phil's point. This I think these good green and stuff. So high supply is another. Yeah, why brand. does one say why does one say California weed when you're in Illinois? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you That's know what's what... funny is uh, Phil. Did you hear this point? Uh, somebody made this ninety three boys. It says Chicago made, but if you look up where that where weed is grown. grown <laughs> yeah, I'll just show you this because you'll you'll love stuff like this. So it says you know it's a Chicago. And they market themselves as a Chicago-based brand. And then you, when you look up where the weed is actually grown, I'm pulling it up right now. God damn it. Pakistan. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, share my screen here. So Anna, Illinois, right? And this is super, super close to Chicago, granted. Like, I'll give them that. It is pretty close to Chicago. So let me show you. what. So here's Anna. There's Chicago. I'm just joking. It's very far away from Chicago. It's probably as far away as you could get from Chicago with while still billing it, being in Illinois. <laughs> Can't be a lot of room to grow weed in Chicago. Growing weed in a city seems incredibly hard. I mean, finding real estate to set up an operation like that, uh, it seems like you got to kind of do it out of town. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I agree, actually. No, I, I totally agree. I'm just saying that, uh, you know, you look on yeah. this label and it says Chicago made, and maybe it's just referring to the oh, brand, but it can be okay. misleading, you know? People yeah, think, like, oh, it's Chicago weed, you know? Well, hey, look at this. Can I do a screen share? Absolutely. I got, I got one more for you. Um, where is this? Where is this picture? Hold up. Let me figure this out. Oh. Uh... Bill, you haven't done a screen share tonight. You want to do a screen share? I'm just joking. There we go. Um, where where we go? Tab around. Okay. Uh, hold up. There we go. I think I did it. We'll probably wrap uh, up here in the next ten to fifteen. Yeah, yeah cool. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty smoked here. Um, is that working? Yep, I see it. Cool. So this was the flyer that Ben Cohen gave me at NECAN last year in July of 2022 or whenever it was. And it says, great pot. All of our cannabis is soil grown by some of Colorado's most conscientious independent craft growers. And that's something that really caught my attention, because if you go back to the website, um, you know, what you'll see is it says it's grown by some of the most conscientious cultivators around. Yeah, I think that's a little, it's a oh, little different than Colorado. Um, you know, I don't know if Colorado is around Vermont, but it sure looked like um, they were getting ready to uh, 
set up for federal legalization and, you know, bring Colorado weed here and, and sell it as, as opposed to maybe supporting so, some more local folks, in my opinion. I was about to say the same thing. It seems like maybe they uh, were uh, going to make it <laughs> make a move to Colorado and he was reusing his pamphlets. He didn't want to go to uh, what is it? Uh, Kinko's. Well, and he actually, I think what happened was he put his phone number on the pamphlets because if you go through the pamphlets, it's actually blacked out in a couple sections, and it looked like they had to like uh, redact some information. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if it's up there, but I have a picture of it from Nikan where it looks like maybe he published some of his personal information and had to go through and <laughs> uh, cross it out. But yeah, yeah it, so it here's just your, you know what you were saying. You were saying some of the best doesn't say from Colorado. Well, in this yeah. instance, it actually does say from Vermont. Oh. Wow, they've changed it because that used to say um, some of the most uh, conscientious independent craft growers around. Uh, so, OK, wow. A little update there. Yeah. So you can see the discrepancy, though, right? On the flyer, they said Colorado. And then, you know. Yeah. Maybe that Actually, was a little typo, Ben. Uh, let's let's see. We can actually prove your point here. Perhaps I've done this before. It's a. Uh, Phil, you remember when I did this with gifting? It was up, and then it was down, and then it was up, and then it was down. Mm -hmm. um, and people can look into this shit. So do you remember when you started looking into this, Caleb, when you first maybe saw that? Yeah, it was a, it was at Nikan in July of last year, 2022. 2022. Okay, but when did um, you see it on the website, I'm saying? You said you updated. They updated. Well, I, I went home. Boy, I'd, I'd have to look through there. Well, um, I'm looking at no November 28th of 2022. Let's see. I have right screenshots there. on my Facebook where I posted about this exact shit. I have to go back and dig that up for you too. But um, no problem. Yeah. Um, the pamphlet that I showed the screen share of was from July of last year. Yeah. Um, and so I would say the last time I looked at this website was about June or or, or so this year. So, or maybe May, June, because I dropped the story in April, late April. And um, I feel like I double and triple checked everything on here um, pretty carefully. And oh, uh, I'm not, I, I hope I, it doesn't come off as me like asking you. Like no, that. no, no, no. Uh, no. And I think that is a change, dude. I, I really, uh, hmm, I'm glad you pulled that out because now. No, I mean, it certainly to... is. I'm looking at it to your point. Uh -huh. We're on yeah. what? Oh, wait a minute. Oh, I guess I didn't scroll down far enough. Here we go. And I know uh, I know Ben watched my expose. Some people went into Nikan and asked him about it at his table. They wouldn't let me in. I got uh, thrown out of Nikan. You Thanks. got thrown out, literally? Not thrown out. They wouldn't. Dude, I was nominated for two awards at Nikan in Boston for um, oh, shit. Uh, best information source and Vermont cannabis activist of the year, even though I'd never described myself as an activist. But so here March it is. Oh, sorry. Here it is in That's October fourth, twenty twenty two, and it says Vermont still. But let's go back a little bit further. Is this the? Oh, is this the way back machine? Here? Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking. Yeah, maybe okay. we could find it. I was thinking maybe, maybe we could find it. Yeah, maybe I'm um having a bad memory too. Um, but I'm pretty sure it said the most conscientious cultivators around, um, at one point. So, yeah. Here's a. Oh, look at this. It says in Massachusetts. Oh, huh? How about that, Cole? I never saw that one. Wow. So that you know, can you, can I you mean, send me over the, can you send me over the link for that, please? Actually, I can. 
Um, hold on a second. I got to think about how to do that. Well, I mean, uh, I think actually, yeah, this is the link 2022. Yeah. Cause it's 2022, 08, 08, 2020. Yeah. So I'll send this to you right now. Mm-hmm. And folks, if you, you know, do what I just did on the Wayback machine, you can find it as well. Thanks um, for that call. Oh yeah. No, no problem. Oh, and here's that's a, nice, that's a nice nugget. I'm sending you two links. I've got the link. So that that second link, it's important you copy copy and paste the entire thing. I know just half of it looks like a hyperlink, but it's important you copy and paste the entire thing. And then the first link, of course, it's just a YouTube link. But um, but yeah. So yeah, I mean, but let me go back just a little bit further, and we can wrap Massachusetts, up. Massachusetts, son of a bitch. <laughs> but you know, um. I don't know what my point in bringing up those other brands is I've look at this the same way, you know, like, uh, it seems like he was spreading his net, seeing where he could license his brand, you know, what do you Phil agree with that? Phil, should, when I bring up, you know, to, the, he's got Phil different, said they, Phil said they're trying to hide it. Like, or, yeah, yeah, sorry to cut you off, man, but yeah, no, it's okay. I, I agreed with Phil's point on that one. No, and I agree with it too. It's trying to, yeah, you're you're putting. That's what fucking white labeling is. Yeah, that's I'm, that's what I'm the point I'm trying to make. You know, is like, uh, they're they're definitely they're doing white labeling, which is definitely misleading. But I'm saying that I don't know. A lot of people do it, and that doesn't make it right or wrong. I'm just saying that it's like a common practice I see with different brands. Is all. It's like brands are just fucking misleading. Yeah. Yep. You know, so it's not really like a, a retort to what you've said. <laughs> you but, know, just Phil, a comment. Phil, chime in there, man. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, uh, well, it's like, Cole, you and I were talking with um, that guy at uh, that event we were at last week. And uh, he was saying that, from B, like, Arise. It's not no, B. no, no. Like the company Arise, like the MSO, I guess, the, they're at least in Arizona and Illinois. They don't actually grow any of their own weed in Illinois. It's this right. company, Wellness Group Farms, that actually owns and maintains the license and the grow facility. And Arise is just uh, um, like they're essentially, I mean, they have the a license they have many licenses or i don't know how it exactly is structured but they're not like growing aeroponic cannabis in the Mm -hmm. state which is what their like brand is yeah but then like 93 boys and like days off these are all other brands of theirs too it's Mm -hmm. just such a fucking mess (laughs) no and the the woman that ben uh, cohen has growing for him lise dowell uh, has a farm called og farms and she's been a junk bonds trader in Wall Street for the past 20 plus years. Now moving back to Vermont, you're going to open a farm called OG Farms. Like, give me a fucking break. You know, um, you guys aren't OGs. You guys are opportunists and, um, you know, maybe trying to uh, undercut some of their real OGs here who are really passionate about this. And, you know, I, I just I can't get behind a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. oh yeah well uh caleb you know i think that ultimately you know history is going to reflect ki- kindly on our efforts i do believe we're all coming from you know 
like the same place here, trying to make sure that weed is actually fucking legal, you know? Like, I think that's one of the things that underscored this entire conversation, like the just enforcement, no matter what state we're talking about, mm-hmm. criminalization That's one of continues. the things, yeah, like that's Cole and I, Cole and I like to reduce it to the level of like the business stuff and the licensing is all so fucked. We just have to stop all the criminal enforcement. Like, because if you can stop all the criminal enforcement, like, if you can grow and possess and have as much weed as you want, like, I feel like a lot of that business bullshit will kind of, like, get sorted out. Because <laughs> you're you're essentially then legalizing, I mean, you're you're really legalizing and getting rid of any kind of black market because people can just grow their own weed or get it from their friend or so it's like that that's the ultimate check and the ultimate like fuck you to all you know any bullshit that really goes on in my mind because like it you know in a place like illinois it's like they can't fight that rhetoric either because they're supposed to be these weed companies that are all for legalization so <laughs> it's hard to argue with just letting plants be plants and and not fucking with people yeah and just stop putting people in jail for weed (laughs) period like we we in illinois we had there was a guy whose house got raided for nine plants like swat raided his house for nine plants (laughs) thank god everyone's safe now all the kids are safe Mm -hmm. that's ridiculous yeah you know thanks thanks for having me on again guys uh phil cole i appreciate it Mm -hmm. Yeah, Caleb, anytime. And uh, once again, folks, it's the fine print. Um, Caleb, I hope you had fun tonight. I did. Yeah, I, I appreciate the space to speak, man. I did this story in April and I struck out with all uh, 26 newspapers in Vermont and nobody wanted to hear about it. So thank you. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, you know, if anything comes up, you know, that y- you know how it is, you like step away from one of those conversations you're like god damn it i should have brought this up or whatever just reach out you know um we'll make it we can make it happen again um it's an open platform so i'll get you some lab guys too yeah those delta eight people i would love to speak to because Mm -hmm. i feel like that's an example of the continuation of the war on drugs you know people are advocating for it to be illegal and i just you know whether you like it or not again i think criminalization is not the answer just don't do it if you don't like it you know yeah the cannabis companies here were literally pushing to get it all banned (laughs) when they when they sell it themselves like the first time i ever tried it delta 8 was from an illinois dispensary it wasn't from a fucking gas station like they say well i guess they they were trying to get it banned by by anyone but them yeah right yeah (laughs) right yeah absolutely it's dangerous if they're not making it. And they literally <laughs> said because it competes with their market well, and, share. And they're also allowed to buy from random hemp producers anywhere in the country mm-hmm. to like supplement their supply. Right. So they act <laughs> so like just hemp. they're holier than hemp, but then they use hemp, you know? <laughs> so anyways, well, um, yeah. Yeah, again, though, I was trying to just say, you know, if you step away from here, you know, 
I always welcome back and I hope that, yeah, you had a good time and you felt that I gave you the space. Mm -hmm. It's cool. It's sad to hear that you didn't feel you got the space other places, but I'm glad to hear you felt you got it here. Yeah. So, and I'm still working on this. I'm ripping into all the partners uh, now. So there's going to be a follow-up and uh, yeah, I do. I do appreciate your time, man. It was honestly a little too much time. I could have left 15 minutes ago it's okay. Yeah. I, I, you know, the long format thing is kind of, kind of the thing. And yeah, I, you know, interesting stuff here. So folks, I hope you found this uh, conversation interesting. I sure did. We'll see you in the next episode of the coal memo. Take care. Peace guys.